0: Welcome to the Writer's Routine, the creative person's podcast, and if you think you are one of them, this is the podcast for you, says the presenter and the producer. And the editor, that'll be me then. (laughs) My name's Dan. If you think you are creative, but you're struggling a little bit, uh, then this show will give you loads of tips to help you on your way. Because we're finding out uh, how writers and authors maximise their creativity. How they turn their art into almost a regular nine-to-five day. And how they kind of mould a tiny kernel of an idea into a multi-thousand-word novel. Today, we're chatting to a book editor who's just gotten published herself. Firstly, I want to start with a question. Have you got out your phone recently and done me a massive favour? Because the best thing that you can do to help out this podcast right now, if you're loving the show and if you want more people to find out, you want more of your favourite authors here to be interviewed, it's to get out your phone or however you listen to podcasts and open up the iTunes podcast store and find Writer's Routine on there while you're there, leave us a review. Say some nice things. It would be very helpful if you gave us five stars as well. I don't want to be too technical, but if you've listened to any podcast before, you'll know that five stars is really important. It kind of helps the whole iTunes podcast chart tick along quite nicely, and it'll mean other people can find us without too much effort, uh, and they can enjoy it as well. And hopefully then we can get loads more authors involved. So that would be lovely if you could get it out right now uh, and open up at the iTunes store, that is, and leave us a review. Thanks. <laughs> Phoebe Morgan is a editor at a well-known and loved publishing house. And after helping other artists make their work so much better... And working on other people's books for so long, she finally sat down to write the story that she'd always wanted to tell. It's a psychological thriller. It's called The Dollhouse. It's about two sisters who had an idyllic childhood, uh, but the book opens uh, after their dad, has, who was a famous architect, uh, has recently died. And after that, they start to realise that things inside the family are kind of going wrong and that someone from outside of their life is coming back to seek revenge. And we're trying to find out why. That's what the book is about. It's a brilliant chat. Uh, So we'll be learning about how she made time to write during a pretty hectic nine to five day, how she managed to write and find inspiration uh, from something that she loved from her childhood in an actual dollhouse. And we'll simply ask whether she got bored of books. Also, we'll have a distinguished diary today from one of my favourite authors, who I think really summed up the life that most Brits, I reckon, at least I do, the life that they perfectly want to live. Uh, He did that in the best way. That's coming up in a bit after part one of my chat with Phoebe Morgan, the author of The Dollhouse. Uh, Now, a little bit of admin. Uh, There's not too much of me in this one because I got the audio levels a little bit wrong. I'm a little bit of a technical idiot, so I sound like a bit of a Dalek. It's just I was very breathy, loud and panty. Calm down, calm down. It's not Fifty Shades of Grey Week, although that would be quite an interesting idea. Hopefully, though, that won't distract you too much on my chat with the brilliant Phoebe Morgan, where we're finding out her writer's routine.
2: I kind of write often in bed or just in my bedroom. So I see kind of my books on the the shelves and my walls with pictures on. So very much like my surroundings, which is nice. I do sometimes do work in coffee shops um, because usually the internet there is bad which is good because it means I can't get distracted um, but I think I'm more comfortable writing in my own space because I can just kind of focus better that way
0: uh, What do you write with? Is it, is it on the laptop?
2: Uh, yeah, I just write on my laptop um, I do know someone who writes by hand and then type it up but I think that's kind of a it's too lengthy process yeah. um, So I just use my laptop and it's a nice little light laptop so I can carry it around if I need to go to a coffee shop uh, which is great.
0: It's going to sound sordid but what colour the bedroom?
2: <laughs> it's just white, it's actually kind of boring.
0: Have you got a, um, a nice view out the window?
2: Um, well I actually just moved house so now I have a little balcony which is very exciting um, but before that I had a view of the street which was nice and I quite like that because I look into people's windows in kind of a nosy way
0: So talk to me about your day then From I know that you, you work, you've got a regular 9 to 5 job yeah. um, which uh, a lot of the authors I've spoken to for the podcast actually haven't. So that's, oh, that's something, must be nice <laughs> yeah, That's something new Yeah. Uh, so tell me yeah, about your, your day when you wake up first thing in the morning then when you go to bed what do you do what do you eat when do you make time to write
2: okay sure so um, my job is actually in publishing as well so I work as a fiction editor for Avon which is a division of HarperCollins and so during the day I, w- I try to walk to work which is in London Bridge um, and I'll be working on other people's books during the day uh, so I'll either be doing like a proper structural edit on someone's book or I'll be working on the cover or speaking to sales lots of different things really. Um, And we try and go out for lunch, usually try and take an hour because it's nice to just get out of the office. Um, And then I do most of my own writing in the evenings uh, or at the weekends. Um, So I don't do any of it at work because because the worlds are so similar, I have to try and keep them really separate.
0: What time do you start in the evenings generally with your work?
2: Um, Well, i probably get home at maybe like 6.30 or 7, and then I'll try and write uh, from then on for a couple of hours. But it depends what kind of stage you're at with the book. So when I was writing it really intensely, I would stay up really late until like 2 o'clock in the morning and sort of keep printing it out and rereading it um, and checking it for errors and stuff like that. Um, But now that it's finished and I'm working on the next one, it's sort of more sporadic because you're not so heavily into it. So at
0: the start, writing this, when Mm -hmm. you kind of didn't know how it was going to go, you didn't know how you worked, how you were creative were there any things that you wanted to keep to for instance maybe a word quota or a time quota every day
2: uh yeah definitely so i had a word count so i had a spreadsheet and i had to do a minimum of words per day um and that was really helpful because it just made it more of a manageable goal because if you start off thinking oh you know i've got to write a hundred thousand word book that's quite daunting but if you say okay i've got to do 1500 words today um then it's it becomes easier um and actually it doesn't take that long to write 1500 words i stick to maybe like a 1000 or 1500 a day um and then if i like missed a day or something like that i'd have to catch up so i'd have a total that i had to get to by the end of the week um because obviously you know life happens and sometimes something happens you have to go to um so i would always try and like make up the time you know, and a lot of the words I would write would would then be cut. You know, I cut like huge cha- I cut a whole character and like giant chapters of the book, um, which I save in case in case I need them like for another book. I just found it easier to try and get out as kind of as many words as I could, and then go back and sort it all out after.
0: So, a slight digression. Then uh, the yeah. character that you cut, mm. how impactful was that? As in, did, was it was it simply a case of plopping them out, chucking them away, or did the ripple effect kind of? flow through the whole book and then you have to constantly go back do this do that
2: um, well it does have a ripple effect but I think it was actually my agent's idea at the time um, and it is—it is can be hard cutting your words out because you think oh you know I've spent so <laughs> much time on this but once you start it's actually kind of uh, refreshing because you just you start cutting a bit out and you think oh actually it's, it's fine without it um, and I cut out a lot of backstory which um, which a few bits of how I have actually put into a different book but yeah I mean you have to go through and check that that character is not appearing by accident <laughs> in any random scene. Um, But it it was kind of liberating cutting out a whole person, I think. I don't really do a spreadsheet for the plot. I do a spreadsheet for word count. And I also did a spreadsheet when I was querying agents because I needed to keep track of who I'd spoken to. And, you know, you don't want to query someone twice because that's embarrassing. Um, So, but in terms of plotting things out, I sort of make notes in in a notebook and also in my phone. Uh, But I find looking at a spreadsheet in that way really Difficult because it reminds me of maths, and it reminds me of like the things that I'm not as good at. So I prefer to just sort of write it in little notes and stick to the words. Um, but
0: so, but the book though, uh, it's called The Dollhouse. Yeah. But it's it's a crime story, right?
2: Yeah. So it um it's a psychological thriller, I would say um with with crime elements. Um, and it changed quite a lot from when I first wrote it because I worked with my agent a lot and we kind of developed it into something a bit darker. Um, I think the elements were always there, but it sort of took another person reading it. To pull them out. But yeah, it's definitely quite a dark book now.
0: I know that you said you don't plot, you don't have the spreadsheet, just Mm. a few notes on your phone. Yeah. But surely for something like a psychological thriller Mm. where there is a lot going on, there's a lot of characters you need to keep in your mind, Mm. you need to know what's happening where did you how did you manage to do that or did you just let your your fingers on your laptop go go for it?
2: Um, I let them go for it at the beginning but then yeah I did go back and I wrote out all the chapter headings and the characters and had like a color coordination system so I had to check because the viewpoints changed quite a lot I had to check that each character had you know a kind of equal amount of viewpoints and that it wasn't jumping from one character to, to another too quickly um, so yeah I wrote it out like loads and loads of times um, and highlighted various sections and counted it all out um mainly just in a notebook just kind of my scribbles so no one else would really want to read that <laughs> never felt when you got home that you were just booked out um not much, not so much booked out, but definitely screened out. Like, I think I spend a lot of time looking at the screen at work, so sometimes looking at it again at home is is quite difficult because um, you know it just gives you a headache and it makes your eyes hurt. But I sort of just really try to push on. Like, you just have to think you have to think about the goal and how much you want it, and it kind of motivates you to to keep going. Um, and I have friends that are writers, and they are very encouraging, so it really helps having people in the same situation to talk to about it. So editing other people's work all day, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think that helped you out
0: because you were able to know what shouldn't be there and what should be there
2: Um, I think it does now so when I did the first draft of this book I was still working in non-fiction so that those kind of books were very different to what I was writing but now um, that I'm in fiction I think it will help with my next book because you learn so much more about what other publishers want and you learn more about the structure of books and because I you know I structurally edit other people's I can see kind of what needs to be done for theirs so hopefully with my next one I can see what needs to be done Um, Um, Because, you know, there are certain rules that it's better to follow. um, Tell me some of them. The structure of the book. So especially the beginning, that's super important. So having a gripping first line and a gripping first chapter um, is really key. We get a lot of submissions in at work. So I have to read, you know, I like reading those as well we say we read 100 pages but you know if the first chapter is not exciting it's like a struggle to keep going so it just shows how important it is for you to really grab readers straight away
0: What what's the biggest no-no there for, for, a, for a a book that you would be in that you need to read after one page
2: yeah oh god like people that you start with like the weather or something like that and I'm just like I mean I actually do talk about the weather quite a lot in my general life so I'm probably quite boring but I think just when a book opens with the weather I like, just know so I always try and advise people to cut that out
0: do you think you were a stricter uh, editor for yourself than you are for other people
2: um i don't know you'd have to ask my other authors but i i, I don't know it, it's different editing yourself i think i'm probably no i'm probably easier on myself i probably think oh well this line's great uh, but with someone else i'm like no this line's terrible take it out you're so much more detached when it's not your own work um Because I find when I read my own work, you know, you remember writing it and you remember where you were and what you were thinking. So then when it comes to cutting it out, it's a bit like, oh, no. But I've definitely got better at cutting things out.
0: We'll get more from Phoebe Morgan in just a sec, where we'll find out what her book The Dollhouse started off as and how she makes her work stand apart in the hugely competitive uh, psychological thriller genre. Time for Distinguished Diaries, then, where we look at a weird and wonderful writing routine from history. And today, uh, a little bit self-indulgent, really, it's the turn of my favourite author, I reckon, P.G. Woodhouse. P.G., that is Pelham Grenville, uh, Sir P.G., actually, Uh, and he was a horrendously prolific author. He published more than 90 books in his life. And and loads more uh, other works as well. Uh, He's known for Jeeves and Worcester, for Blandings, for his golf books, for his Mulliner Tales. You almost can't stop the superlatives for him he kind of sums up the type of bumbling aristocratic life that we all really want to live deep down and he wrote for his whole life as well continuing to churn out the books when he was around 90 uh, at this time at the end of his life he was living in a sort of exile in long island in new york america he would rise here every day at 7:30 and do a series of calisthenic exercises The Daily Dozen is what he would call them, to kind of stretch out his mind and his body. Which is interesting because in most of his books he makes fun of Swedish exercises. Uh, Then he would have breakfast, uh, which would be toast, cake, some tea as well. He would have a read, walk the dogs, smoke a pipe before finally settling down to work at nine o'clock. And he wrote in his study uh, on a grand royal typewriter. He used this every day uh, since 1934. Although he didn't start each day writing on just that. He would write the first draft uh, of his work on pencil. Then after revising and reworking and polishing, how he would say, he would type it all out. And he did this exact same method from paper, then reworking it onto the typewriter through most of his career. Right, Word count wise, he was absolutely prolific as well. In old age, he would get about uh, a thousand words done a day. In his younger, more productive days, though, he would churn out about two and a half thousand words. Now, the most he ever wrote in one go uh, was eight thousand words in one night he was surprised that it was to finish off one of his Jeeves story as well uh, and now this was the end of his working day uh, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon he would then go on a walk with friends but this had to be done by 3.30 because he needed to be in his study to watch his favourite soap opera he, he never missed an episode of The Edge of the Night which I think was quite big in America at the time, it's brilliant because uh, the, the soap operas are kind of how his books were, all surface and just beautifully glossy uh, which is incredible, then he had after Afternoon tea, he would have a bath, an evening cocktail at 6pm sharp before retiring with his wife for food uh, and perhaps a game of bridge or two. (laughs) This is fantastic. His strict routine allowed him uh, to be creative When he needed, it maximised his efficiency like this. It helped him be storming in his output, relentless in his comedy, and it allowed him to live the brilliant, stereotypically English life that we would always hope from P.G. Woodhouse. We've had loads of very strange, interesting and utterly unique diaries on the show so far. If you've not heard them all, you really need to catch up. If just for that, we've had Maya Angelou, uh, we've had Patricia Highsmith... Who Another psychological thriller writer, just like the subject of today's show, Phoebe Morgan. We've also had F. Scott Fitzgerald, and you can catch up on all of those by subscribing to Writer's Routine, our podcast, wherever you usually get your podcasts from. It'll be there. It'll be lovely. I promise. Uh, As always, with this feature, I need to say a massive thank you to Mason Curry for all the help that his brilliant book, Daily Rituals, has given us. It's time to go back to my chat with the publishing editor uh, and now bona fide author in her own right, Phoebe Morgan. Her book, The Dollhouse, is out now. It's just been published. It's a psychological thriller about two sisters who are coming to terms with their dad's death and trying to deal with an intruder into the family who's coming back to seek revenge. Yeah, we'll find out about her ultimate aim as an author after the backstory of the story.
2: So it basically started off as primarily a story about these two sisters, which it definitely still is, Um, but it was much more about their family, um, which, again, it still is, but it was kind of... Uh, It was a much calmer book, and it was more about the characters, whereas it's become a lot more plot-focused, which I really like, um, because it just pulls the reader along, I hope, a lot more than it did in the first draft.
0: And when was the first image of the book? Do you remember it going through your mind?
2: Yeah, I started it based on my dad built me a really big dollhouse when I was little. That was kind of the starting point. I had that image of the dollhouse um, in my head, Uh, and I knew I wanted to write about sisters because I don't have... Have sisters I have two brothers but I've always found like the sisterly relationship really interesting so it's kind of about how that bond can threaten you
0: I know this sounds like a really stupid question um but I know so often uh, people think that books just magically come to authors, mm. that they kind of sit there with their pen and and it's all ready to go. How much kind of brainstorming and developing did you have to do outside of just that first thought that you had about sisters and some conflict?
2: Yeah, um, well, a lot is the short answer. Um, because, yeah, like I said, I, I did write a first draft relatively quickly, but then there was a lot of work going back and unpicking that. Trying to sort out elements that didn't work or things that were implausible. Um, and the ending was quite difficult. We revised the ending and the opening like a lot of times. Those are just such crucial parts of the book that yeah, that was probably the biggest amount of work.
0: At the very first embers of the tale, though, mm. um, embers, I can't believe I good, said that. It's a good word, it makes <laughs> me seem much more intelligent than <laughs> I, like I actually it. am. I like it. As, as I say, aside from the, the two sisters, did you then have to think, right? Now we need a baddie in here. We need another baddie. We need another plot point.
2: Yeah, I did. I, I did plot out the There's sort of a few key turning points in the book. Uh, we sort of dropped those through like breadcrumbs. Um, and so that was definitely something that had to be plotted out quite carefully because they need to come at certain points. So it's just about making sure that the structure of the book is sufficient that the reader always wants to read more so I think the sign of a bad book is you know you put it down and you just forget about it and you don't go back to it no
0: one wants um, studio. No, no exactly no, um,
2: no. <laughs> so uh, another good word <laughs> thank you
0: embers and mayor.
2: yeah
0: uh, we're in a publisher yeah. sign me up now um so how long did it take you then from the first moment you started writing it to then mm. when it was ready to be sent out
2: so It took me a couple of months to write it. I did it quite quickly. But then when I got my lovely agent, she did give me a lot of editorial feedback. And then we worked on it together for probably between six to nine months um, before it then went out to publishers. So yeah, we did a lot on it. Um, and some agents don't do as much, but I think, you know, she's a very hands-on agent. So it was really nice to have someone to collaborate with. Um, and there was another editor who works for the agency who helped as well. So really it was kind of a, a three-way approach. <laughs> We'd aim for books to be between roughly like 85,000 to 100,000 words. Um, because if you go much over 100,000, it starts to be a bit long for this genre. Um, and if it's too short, it it sounds silly, but it will actually look too short. You know, like when it's printed or, you know, when it's out, it'll just, it won't read properly. Um, so I kind of always knew to aim for about eighty five ninety thousand. Um, 90,000. I think it's now about 100,000. So it's probably probably getting too long, but... <laughs> I think originally I was writing for myself because, you know, I didn't know if it would be published. You know, I didn't even know if I'd get an agent. I didn't know if it was any good. Um, So it started off as as just for myself. Um, Now that I work... More closely in the industry, I think I do think about the reader a lot more because I think about the market and you know who the target is for a psychological thriller. Um, a lot of the time it's women, um, you know, men do read them, but just generally it's often women, um, of a certain age, and you can see what else they read and what they want to watch on TV, and so you kind of build up this profile of what a a typical reader is. There
0: are quite a lot of psychological thrillers on on the shelves. (laughs) How do you? How did you make yours stand out when you were writing it, and try not to follow mm. like the standard tropes of these sort of books?
2: Yeah, I mean there are. It's crazy. It's been going for ages now, and and it is a really saturated market. So you know there is a lot of competition. Who do you blame I, I for that? that? You blame the girl on the train. Uh, well, I mean it was there before that. You know, with with Gone Girl and stuff. I think uh, it's just really it's an interesting one because you know everyone in publishing is is kind of funny about it and we think oh you know it's, it's surely gonna end soon and then it just doesn't and it just keeps on going and there's always new iterations um but I guess what I did was I just wanted to write for the story that I wanted to tell um and I think because it was based on this kind of idea that spawned from this dollhouse that I had myself it just I just kind of kept to that and I was just thinking about what I wanted to say um, and you know it probably it probably will fit in with with the others in the market you know I'm not saying it's going to particularly blow away the competition at all but um, I think you know there's space for everyone I think if you like reading those kind of books which I do too um, I'm always interested in the next one I don't really mind if it's you know a similar genre to another one
0: How much thought did you give to Tone simply because you're reading quite a lot with your work Mm. and so you're reading quite a lot of psychological thrillers anyway yeah how much do do you think about um yeah getting your voice across with what you are writing
2: um i think i changed the tone quite a lot when i was trying to make it darker so when i was trying to kind of up the tension you have to sort of change the way you phrase certain things um and i worked a lot on the characters voices so one of them is a man and my agent read it and she was like he sounds like he's meant to be like 60 years old and I was like no he's like 30 so I like I tried really hard to make that male voice stronger because it's harder for me to write as a male because I'm a woman um and I found writing the sister's voices much easier so I had to sort of really work on the male voice and try and make it sound more authentic and of the right age. (laughs) It's so exciting to, you know, have the first book published. Um, There was a point where I just thought that would never happen. So that's really lovely. I think a lot of writers start off and it's a hobby or people treat it as a hobby. Um, But I think you have to try and learn to take it seriously as you would your day job. Um, And... Yeah, I mean, I love my day job as well, so I think ideally I would just like to keep on doing both um, and be able to sort of manage that.
0: And you said you got the second book on the way. What have you learned from writing the first that now you're putting in action as you write the second? Yeah.
2: Um, well, it's been quite a good confidence booster having finished one because whenever you start a book, there's always this feeling like, you know, I will never get to the end. Um, but I just sort of tell myself that I've I've done it once, so you know that kind of helps you to sort of motivate yourself and be like, no, just keep going, that like, you will get there. Um, I think I'm trying to be a bit better at plotting with this one because I had to do a lot of sorting out with the first one, but I think it's just the way I work. I think I just I just need to be able to write and get it out, and then I can always go back and hopefully fix it. Do
0: you think you've learned if there are any like little idiosyncrasies that you have as an author that make you work better?
2: Um, I'm not really sure. I think I I do work quite well when I know I have, like, a word count to stick to, um, and I... I think having written one you can sort of see what you did wrong so I can see why you know the agent said some things you know that were wrong with it and so I can try and avoid doing those again um sometimes things are so obvious but you're just so close to the book that you haven't noticed like there was one example and she was like you've said the word ginger like 20 times in like two paragraphs or something so just words that you repeat without even realizing um And I think tension, trying to maintain the tension throughout the book is something that I'm trying harder with in book two, because that can be quite difficult. Um, I think other authors will say that as well. And it's just about ending your chapters on the right note, you know, on on a bit of an edge um, and always leaving the reader wanting more.
0: Huge thank you to Phoebe Morgan for coming on the Writer's Routine podcast. Uh, Phoebe was so lovely in sorting out uh, our chat and for actually chatting herself in front of the microphone for the show so lovely in fact it's amazing how such a dark, twisted and tensely sinister tale came from her brain Uh, that's what it is though, her debut book The Dollhouse is out right now, Uh, I really do urge you if you love your psychological thrillers in the mind of Gone Girl and The Girl on the Train, you kind of need to give this one a read, I think this and the series really could be something huge now that is it for this week's writer's routine, Uh, next week we we will chat to the author Simon Toyne. Now, he took seven months off to write a commercial thriller and he's still doing it 10 years later. So it all worked out kind of well for the man. Uh, yeah, we're back next week with him. Remember, you can email any questions you like, for uh, advice for any authors you think I should chat to. Uh, anything you fancy, fire it over to writersroutine at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are at writerspod. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week with more Writer's Routine.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.